Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Arike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. I'm joined by Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. What's new with you? Anything? How's the family? <laughs> they, actually, I did talk to one family member today. And he's a very excited little boy that's going to a hockey game on Saturday night. That's what I understand. And I'm very, very happy about that. I'm going to have... over the moon. Well, I can actually see where you're going to sit at so I'm going to have to make sure that he's having a great time and I got to make sure that grandpa doesn't throw his gloves on the ice because (laughs) no championships will be won during that game okay should I tell him I'm driving the Zamboni (laughs) (laughs) he'd be like I have the coolest grandpa of all time oh yeah hi fans how are you Budweiser's weekday sports beat your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTRadio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. We have a live video feed right now of our conversations on the Twitch app. All right, let's take a big deep breath <laughs> because things are fluid right now. Is that a good way of putting it? You're the writer. Yeah, that's a good verb. Things are very or adjective fluid. Or another way to put it is, it's like Notre Dame volcano is now starting to percolate <laughs> a little bit. As boy, there just seems to be a lot of things happening right now involving this Fighting Irish football team. Let's begin with this. This is what we know right now. Two more players have entered the transfer portal. The first is freshman wide receiver Braylon James. He was actually the highest ranked 
of the three receivers that Notre Dame signed last December and was the least used of those three. He had one catch against the Pittsburgh Panthers, a 6-2 receiver out of Round Rock, Texas. So Braylon James becomes the third fighting Irish wide receiver to enter the portal, joining Chris Tyree and Tobias Merriweather. And, of course, their position coach, Chancey Stuckey, was fired on Tuesday. We also have found out today that safety Ramon Henderson is to the portal. Now he's going to have that grad transfer status. He'll have one year of eligibility remaining. He had 14 tackles as a reserve defensive back for this year's Fighting Irish football team. So that's where we stand right now. I would not print out any rosters for the bowl game at this point. Let's just take a big, deep breath and let things transpire. And, Eric, I think you made an excellent point as we had a brief conversation entering the studio. Eric, you made the point that there was going to be departures this year, and you actually had a number in mind going into this process. So we shouldn't be surprised by the number of players so far that have gone into the portal, but maybe we should focus more upon the quality of the player and who the player actually is. I I would agree with that because the number was going to be big based on the scholarship math, okay? You have 85 scholarships. I'm going to go through it fairly quickly. I will show my work, so I will get extra credit for that. <laughs> but Notre Dame is was at 84 scholarships this season, all right, which is one under the maximum. They only lose seven players to expiring eligibility. Only seven players had no recourse about extending their college career. So that knocks you down to 77. You're going to sign 23 uh, in three weeks. That puts you up to 100. Then let's say you're bringing in five transfers, and I think they will bring in more than that. But let's just make it around five. Well, they made, you know, they had, I think it was seven scholarship and maybe nine total last year. But so that number five could increase. You never know. Right. So let's just make it 105. Okay. That would mean between early NFL draft entries, medical retirements, and transfers, you needed 20 departures from your roster. So again, the number's going to be big. It may end up be being bigger than that based on Marcus maybe being more aggressive in the transfer market than my conservative number of five being. But, but you were So when you look at older players, let's say Aiden Keon Ina, he was an upperclassman, have his Notre Dame degree, and will... Uh, play somewhere else and have a chance to play a lot more. That's the kind of transfer that you say, okay, great for him, great for Notre Dame. Um, Where I think it becomes troubling is somebody like, to a certain extent, Braylon James. You can see the frustration him not playing. And yet, while his position coach got fired, if that was the problem, then why is he still leaving? Um and it's a freshman, it's not as easy for Notre Dame to replenish through the portal for guys other than grad transfers and freshmen. 
Now, maybe that will change in the cycle somewhat, but it has not been easy to do that. So you're kind of stuck either somebody super young or somebody really old um, on your roster, and you're kind of losing that middle, those middle classes. And, and certain position groups, I mean, if there's another receiver and you get get to four receivers, then that becomes problematic. So I think it's who who it is, you know, what year in school they are. But there's going to be some, and there's always surprises. And, and, and I think maybe also the timing of it. Um, I know some, a lot of kids want to get into school for spring semester, so they don't want to wait until after the bowl game to get into the portal. They don't want to miss an opportunity or have, an, have those opportunities taken by somebody else if you wait too long. Uh, but, you know, Notre Dame, if too many of these guys leave before the bowl game and don't participate in the bowl game, you may have to move some people around to different positions. So, But there's going to be a big number. That's what not to get excited about is the big number that you can get excited about which players they are yeah someone's already asked me who are the Irish going to throw the ball to in the bowl game and I just said the offensive coordinator will scheme guys open it'll all be good don't worry take a deep breath everything's going to be fine and let's also realize bowl games unless you're in the playoff I don't care if you win or lose to be quite frank now for perceptional purposes it would be great to beat an SEC team but at the end of the day, I'm not going to lose sleep over winning or losing a ReliQuest Bowl or a Pop-Tarts Bowl or whatever type bowl with we're talking about. <laughs> with the edible mascot. With the edible mascot. And we should say, with Ramon Henderson being the seventh, there are seven either already in the portal, the grad transfers, or with the intentions of being there Monday when it opens for the undergrads. Okay. Take a deep breath. Yeah, I know. I'm recalculating for a second. We're going to be talking about incoming ones pretty soon, but but <laughs> right feels... now it's the outgoing cycle. You spent a couple of minutes last night, and I think it is worth rehashing this. You made a very interesting point that you got some information from the guy in charge of what rivals recruiting. Yes. And he made the point, and this was before really the portal really got pumping here. And his name is Adam Gorney. Thank you. He made reference that teams recruiting against Notre Dame are using some things against the Fighting Irish right now. I'll let you kind of discuss what teams are using against Notre Dame right now. And since that conversation, Eric, I would think that the ammunition is even more so for opposing teams because, I mean, there are some names out there already that kind of catch your attention. I mean, we hear a lot of stuff. There could be more. Who knows? But, Eric, this this could be damaging for the perception of Notre Dame, correct? Uh, agreed. Uh, but you can't, you can't let negative recruiting rule your decisions. If you're Marcus Freeman and you can defend – that decision, you're going to have to, and you're going to be able to put your spin on things. But if you have trouble convincing people that that's a great argument, then you may lose recruits. You know, I, I talked to Tom Lemming a little bit about this, but more in depth with Adam Gorney. You know, Adam feels like teams already are using it. Do you really want to play in that offense? Um, 
it, look what they did in the big games. Do you think it's going to get any better? Uh, Sam Hartman went nine and three in that offense. And, you know, again, Marcus, I'm sure if he ends up retaining Jared Park for the long term, is going to defend that. And, you know, that's the choice that he's making. And that doesn't mean it's the wrong choice, but that's a tough. He's tied defense. himself to Jared Parker now. He, he he has at this point. And the thing is, then you are trying to sell incoming uh, transfers also on the concept, hey, we're going to be better in the second year. Now, again, Marcus has a couple of his examples he likes to talk about. He likes to talk about how much better. And, I, again, I'm not saying these are clear parallels, but I'm just saying mm -hmm. the ones that he uses are, Al Golden in the second year, mm -mm. the second year in the same system. It was a much improved operation. And then Marcus's own example, 2017 and 2018 at UC at University of Cincinnati, 94th in the country in total defense in 2017, 11th in total defense in 2018. Eric Hansen, Darren Pritchett with you, Sports Beat on WSBT Radio. I've been sitting here thinking – if you and I are having this conversation and we have a bunch of Irish fans in the room, what would Irish fans ask us right now? And one thing that stands out to me, Eric, is this. You look at one specific position. Three wide receivers have entered the transfer portal. Chris Tyree, Tobias Merriweather, and... Braylon James. Braylon James. Sorry, I almost said a different name. Thank you. So... We do not know the real reasons why they left. Let's make that perfectly clear. We do not know. Are the reasons the same? Are they different? I have absolutely no idea. On top of that, you have the position coach that was fired by Marcus Freeman. I just look at the offensive side of the football. There are a lot of pieces that are very inexperienced. You could say Chancey Stuckey was an inexperienced yep. wide receiver coach. The offensive coordinator, Jared Parker, isn't it fair to call him inexperienced? At that job, yes. Yes, at that job, correct. And even your head coach, I think he is, it's fair to say he's not a problem solver on the offensive side of the football. Fair? Absolutely fair. So I'm just wondering, and I'd love to know what these players are thinking, because we heard all year from the head coach that it was not a play calling issue. It was the execution and who executes Eric. It's the players or Brian Kelly. Just kidding. <laughs> yes. But the players were the one yeah. put under the spotlight on purpose or not by the head coach. And we heard it every week. This wasn't a one-time slip. Every time there was a question about Jared Parker, it came back to the players got to execute. But he also said, we need to teach it better. Right. Which gets me back to, is the coaching staff on the offensive side experienced enough? Now, you've got some experienced guys like Rudolph, the offensive line coach, Eric. I'm not putting him in that particular category. But it makes you wonder, A, are the players sick and tired of getting blamed for the offense not being good against the better opponents? Is this a situation where they were not coached up properly? I just think there's a lot of holes right now in this conversation that we're never going to know, but 
to me, there's a lot of things happening that are kind of leading to this particular moment, even though not every answer may be the same as our phones are going off. Yours is going off. I'm making sure mine doesn't because that'll be the next thing. Well, my my phone's going to need a charge because the last two hours it's been rocking and rolling. So you see where I'm going with that. It just seems like there's a lot of different reasons that could be out there while while there is this max exodus on the offensive side of the football. Right. But again, let's keep in mind there's going to – if, if it was all even Steven, it was going to be 10 offensive players and 10 defensive players. You know, you were going to have a lot of people transferring. You could kind of guess certain players that and, and certain profiles that would. You know, an older player that has their Notre Dame degree that's not playing and there isn't really good prospects for playing next year. That's the kind that you usually see hit the portal. Um, and with it being so easy to transfer, I do think that there are, if the rule, if there was a year waiting period, we wouldn't see as many players coming and going at anywhere. I mean, if the old rule was in place, I, I still think this would be a little bit more under control, but my goodness, um, you know, there was a question I didn't take in the chat the other day. And, you know, I had mentioned on our podcast, the 20 number that I thought would be players coming off the roster and that just boggled his mind but again you have to do the math and when you only have seven players with expiring eligibility this is what's going to happen this is where we are in college football right now I mean you see some of the names Duke doesn't have very many players in the portal but the ones that they're losing are are program changers I mean it's not just their quarterback their defensive tackle Peebles is a he would, well, I mean, it's hard to say he'd start over Cross and Mills, but he's in their class in terms of the type of player he is. It's like, my goodness. You know, prior to this era, you would usually get disgruntled players or somebody that wants to be closer to home. I mean, you're getting premier players changing addresses of all different classes in terms of freshman through senior. Eric Hansen, Darren Pritchett with you. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's something else that came to mind. As I was trying to put myself as an Irish fan sitting in this room, able to ask us questions. We found out yesterday that Duke quarterback Riley Leonard is in the transfer portal. It is assumed that Notre Dame would be interested in Riley Leonard, and I would assume that maybe Riley might be interested in Notre Dame. I think Irish fans would want your opinion, Eric. Do you have concerns about all this news about offensive players mainly leaving? Is that something that might catch the attention of Riley Leonard and cause him to think twice if he was interested? I don't know um, from the players that have already are let's just say the seven players that are in the portal know. I think there are some names that could pop up that may cause more alarm. But again, you know, Notre Dame could go and get more wide receivers in the transfer portal and some very good ones, and that would be attractive to Riley Leonard. But, um, you know, I, I think, again, Marcus will have to talk through it with him 
and I do think there's momentum for that move to happen that, um, yeah, this is what's going to happen. This is why it happened. And this is the direction we're going. And if he's comfortable with that, then he'll come and play at Notre Dame. I don't think we should probably underestimate Texas A&M at this point because his head coach is there. Yep. And I think it is fair to say the oil money is, is pretty good down there in college station. Yeah. I, I don't think Notre Dame is, I don't think this will be a money. I don't think money will determine either Texas A&M or Notre Dame. I think the money's pretty even at this point. I realize Texas A&M. Texas A&M and Notre Dame even? That just seems very strange to hear. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Well, I mean, look, Texas A&M just paid a huge buyout, and those people that were paying NIL money had to help pay for the buyout. You also had Texas A&M doing some squirrely things, allegedly, with NIL (laughs) at the beginning. But I'll tell you what, Notre Dame has positioned itself very well in terms of being its brand and everything else. I mean, that's a reason they were competitive for Hartman, and it's a reason they'll be competitive with the next transfer quarterback. I don't think that that's going to be an issue. And I don't think that's what Riley Leonard is looking for, the highest bidder, because Riley Leonard right now has an NFL future. Um, I think what he wants is what's going to get him to the NFL. Accuracy. Well, accuracy is too. (laughs) But, I mean, again, you're talking about a guy that played several games with a pretty bad high ankle sprain. And I think his truer statistics are the statistics from 2022 and he still needed to get better with accuracy but I mean he he was one of two quarterbacks in the country that had at least 20 um, touchdown passes and at least 13 rushing touchdowns and he averaged I think close to if it wasn't over six it was close to six yards a carry in 2022 he's a different guy and again sometimes you have to I mentioned this on the air early in the season. You know, when we were ranking the opposing quarterbacks, I didn't have him as high as Tyler Horka did. And then I watched him play Clemson, and I went, oh, you really have to watch him in a game to appreciate him. (laughs) Yeah, You really have to watch him in a game to appreciate him. He's got some Tim Tebow traits to him. He does. He's not the most graceful, perfect quarterback but he's got the it factor. He makes people better around him, and he just wins. Right. He's six foot four, two hundred and twelve. He can pow- He can get into your power running game. The thing about it is, though, Darren, if he comes to Notre Dame, we're going to talk about it in terms of if, despite a lot of predictions that he'll end up here. We'll still talk about if. Then Notre Dame has to retool its offense. So you're putting something else on Jared Parker's plate too. Now maybe that plays more into what Jared Parker naturally would do would be having a running quarterback. I hope you're right. But then again, Steve Angeli, does Steve Angeli express that same offense? Probably not. Does Kenny Minchie? Probably. Does C.J. Carr? Mm, Deuce Knight? Absolutely. Uh Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Let's take a timeout. We'll regroup. And we'll continue the conversation. Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. 
I'm Darren Pritchett. Again, the information we have right now, Fighting Irish freshman wide receiver Braylon James to the portal and also backup safety Ramon Henderson. That's what we have up to the minute. Keep your phones charged. 529 in your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. When mom fell and injured herself, I knew there was only one place to go. South Bend Orthopedics has always cared for us as if we were family. So I knew taking her there would guarantee the best care. They walked her through every step of the recovery, from surgery through physical therapy. Mom was always there when I needed help. And now, thanks to SBO, I can be there for her too. SBO, trusted in the community for over 75 years. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Ball caught, touchdown! What a catch on the three-yard line by Jaden Thomas. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Caught on the one-yard line and into the end zone. Tobias Merriweather, first catch of his Notre Dame career, goes for a touchdown from 41 yards out. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Setting up Estime over the middle, 25 20. He'll score. 10 5. Touchdown, Notre Dame. 535 on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports Beat brought to you by Budweiser, the King of Beers. Locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Bethel University's adult and graduate studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. This holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at feedindiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And by South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for 75 years. My name is Darren Pritchett. I'm alongside Eric Hansen. He is the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. He covers Notre Dame athletics as part of of the Rivals Network. His sidekick is Tyler James. Read all about everything we're talking about and much, much more at InsideIndieSports.com. And I think you promised me a code for our radio listeners to get a deal. Yes. Uh-huh. And I will give it out at the end of the show. How's that? I oh, believe it's s- ND Radio, but I do want it. I'll give it out when we do what's coming up in Inside ND Sports. That I will send the Tribune. Such a tease. Such a tease. You're such a lively minx today. You know that. <laughs> I am a minx today and uh, not on purpose. Oh, my. Oh, my. Well, you're doing a lot of editing and publishing right now. <laughs> Remember the old days we just used to talk about? What are they going to learn in bowl practice? Okay. Not anymore. It, it is. ND Radio is the promo code, but I'll tell them how to get okay. there and sign up. Very good. Yes. Okay. So, Eric, we just had a discussion a moment ago about how the individual covering national recruiting for rivals was 
talking to you about how people are negatively recruiting against Notre Dame. It happens all the time, let's right. be honest, but they have some new artillery this year. So how do you think Marcus Freeman responds, navigates through some perceptions that I'm sure are building at this time with some of these players that are leaving the program? I mean, a Braylon James is someone you're hoping to use him as part of your future at the wide receiver position. So that one's a shock. And again, we'll see who else leaves and who else stays. But how do you think a young coach who has never been a head coach before and he's doing it on the fly at one of the most prestigious football programs in the country deals with this? I mean, you can only call Jim Tressel so many times. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the one thing is he can't get overexcited about it, um, and and he needs to push out the message about the scholarship math too, because you do need to land on eighty five, and you don't need to be there until the first day of class in August. At Notre Dame brought in a record number of transfers in the last uh, cycle, and they also hit on a lot of transfers in the last cycle. I mean, there had been years where they'd bring in a transfer and it, somebody that had been injured somewhere else and they got injured here and that was the end of them or they didn't have very much impact. Cody Riggs was one of the few early transfers that turned out uh, among the grad transfers. So um, the, the other thing is he's got to really have a clear vision of what Notre Dame's offense is going to be moving forward. I think people will be confident no matter how much it's negatively recruited if they say, well, you know what, Al Golden's going to go to here, you know, be a head coach or he's going to be an NFL defensive coordinator. People would say, okay, but they have these other really good defensive coaches. You have Marcus Freeman, who's a defensive mind, and they're going to find you know, a great replacement, whether it's in-house or a national search, I think there's confidence. Where there isn't confidence is what's the offense going to look like. Even if you get Riley Leonard or you get somebody else that's super exciting out of the portal, um, again, I think you kind of have the negativity hanging over the head. And if there's a clear, this is what we're going to do on offense, message out there I I do think that helps the the thing is I I don't know that Marcus is absolutely 100% sold that there's not going to be another change on the coaching offensive coaching staff agreed that's not somebody taking another job I think after the bowl game will be another checkpoint and a lot of times that's when things happen. For example, when he was the interim coach, uh, Del Alexander was still here through the bowl game, I believe. Jeff Quinn was, and Mike Elston certainly was. And then those guys left after after the bowl game. And that was exactly the road I wanted to take you down because a question that you see a lot on social media, on your message boards, the timing of the firing of wide receiver coach 
Chancey Stuckey. Normally, we see position coaching changes after the bowl game. Now, you're going to see defensive coordinators become head coaches. We saw Georgia's defensive back coach become the head coach at Syracuse. So you're going to see those type of moves. But would you say the timing was interesting for the Stuckey decision to be made, in particular 24 hours before everything seemed rosy at the Goog in terms of assistant coaches sticking around based on what the head coach said. Y- yes, I, the timing. I, I mean, the the one thing that the portal has done is it's moved up the timetable on a lot of things, certainly head coaching searches. And then if you're looking for another replacement, then maybe you make that change. And there's, I, I don't want to get into that without quoting somebody on the record, but there's speculation about Yes. Why Chancey Stuckey was fired. And there seemed to be a change. Right. There seemed to be. Okay. So, um, but I think that's why maybe that one. And and there was, um, when Marcus took the job, I think Brian Polian right away wasn't retained, um, if I remember right. Um, There was somebody that wasn't retained right out, right away, and I'm trying to think back on it, and I think it might have been Brian Polian. But um, so these things don't always happen at the same time. There may be evaluations still ongoing, and uh, perception is very important right now. Perception is important because you are trying to hold on to your recruiting class, which, again, Right now, all three of the wide receivers in that recruiting class seem pretty excited about signing in three weeks. I'm glad the signing is in December, not in February. Right, right. Don't you feel the same way? Yeah. It's a blessing. Right. And then, um, but you're also trying to sell transfers coming to your school. And I think the NIL money is pretty even. There's people, but again... I would say if you – the type of kid that wants to have the highest dollar and and $10,000 is going to make the difference, that's not a kid that's coming to Notre Dame anyways. That, that's not the kind of, that's interested. But, again, if you're Riley Leonard, what is it about Notre Dame that makes you feel like this is the place that will prepare you for the NFL? I mean, obviously you talk to Sam Hartman, and, and despite – things maybe not working out bottom line for how Sam Hartman wanted them to. He must have had good things to say about being at his Notre Dame experience. So, When you lose three guys from the same position, all at, I would say, different stages of their college football careers, Chris Tyree is coming down toward the end, and I think he's looking for a greater opportunity. He wants right. to be on the field more than the 23 snaps per game he averaged this year for Notre right. Dame. You had Tobias Merriweather. He might go into the category needing a change of scenery yeah, to continue his development. And Braylon James left before really his career got started. That's what we know so far. So I was just going to ask you, which is the biggest loss of the three when you think about what Notre Dame is going to try to accomplish in 2024? From a stability standpoint, a locker room standpoint, chemistry standpoint, Chris Tyree. From 
what Notre Dame has and doesn't have high ceiling, Tobias Merriweather. I think Braylon James is the least, um, the least of those. And even though he may turn out to be a heck of a receiver, I mean, when you look at recruiting rankings, they all three were highly recruited prospects coming out of high school. But that that Braylon James didn't develop through the season is a little bit troubling. You could say, well, that's on Chancey Stuckey. But then why did Jordan Faison, who was a lacrosse player, why did he develop? Why did the other freshmen develop? So it's Flores got a lot better as the season went on. Yeah, he did get better as the season went on. So it it, it is puzzling. And again, I mean, um, if there was a year to sit out, would Tobias have made the same decision? I don't know. I can remember so many kids talking to them later in their career, you know, hearing the rumors about them having transferitis at one point, and they go, yeah, I did. Lewis Nix, Jerron Jones, Greg Bryant, who actually did end up transferring. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many of them. Andrew Hendricks, I mean, just about every quarterback. But again, that year of sitting out was a big issue with a lot of those guys. I agree with what you said about which wide receiver would be the maybe the biggest to lose, but it's interesting, and maybe this is the fault of so many people living and dying with recruiting rankings. There seems to be more uneasiness about James going to the portal than anybody else. I think some of it does re- revolve around recruiting rankings. The the end sometimes where somebody lines up in spring practice. There was more <laughs> angst about Rocco Spindler not playing oh. than any other offensive lineman of recent memory. I mean, if Joe Alt hadn't played he, his freshman year, people would have been, oh, that's okay. Rocco Spindler this year was the Tobias Merriweather of last year. Yeah. <laughs> right, and he, he, he stuck with things. But, I mean, there was a lot of angst about Rocco not playing because he was a top 100 prospect. Yeah. Um, and... People want to know why isn't he playing, and then all of a sudden, you have um, you have Pat Coogan playing this year and Billy Shrouth not playing. Now that one raised my eyebrow, not because Billy Shrouth was highly ranked, but because of talking to people that know offensive linemen. There's people, a lot of people that are really smart about offensive line play that think Billy Shrouth will play in the NFL and for a long time, or he has that potential. And so that surprised me that Billy Shrouth didn't win a starting spot, but not because of his recruiting ranking, but people get attached to that. And by the same token, the coaches will play into that. They'll say, we had these high-ranking players. And, I mean, look at the linebackers. Nobody you know, that follows recruiting rankings that closely are all that happy with Marist and J.D. Bertrand and Jack Kaiser playing so many snaps. They want to see Jalen Sneed. They want to see Drake Bowen. They want to see Jaden Osbury. And those guys are better athletes. But those other guys earned their playing time. I would say you know, Marist was up and down, but Kaiser was like, you look at pro football focus, you ought to buy stock in them because that grading system loves Jack Kaiser. 
And, you know, J.D. Bertrand was remarkably productive, but people do get wrapped up in the recruiting rankings. Eric Hansen, publisher, editor, InsideIndieSports.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. Hey, the good news for Marcus Freeman right now, there hasn't been that earthquake-shattering departure. It's been just pieces. So that's the good thing. Hopefully we stay that way. We'll see. We shall see. But there are going to be more. I mean, there's, oh, yes. there's seven right now. We're thir- at least 13 away from being finished. So get your scorecard ready. I lowered my DEFCON to 1.25 right. about we have an a hour por- ago. We have a portal tracker on our website, so you can use that to keep score at home. <laughs> it's going to be quite busy. Quite busy. All right. We will take a quick break. Eric and Darren back with you. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960 WS. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Along with Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, Darren Pritchett with you, Sports Beat at 554. We're going to go through a couple of the questions Eric was asked in his indie, InsideIndieSports.com chat, which occurred yesterday at noon. But first, let me it just... feels like three weeks ago Holy now. cow. A lot has changed since then. You've probably changed half your answers based on things we now know. But just want to let people know that are just jumping on the program. Maybe they've not been online today. Two more players to the portal for Notre Dame. And that is freshman wide receiver Braylon James and also backup safety Ramon Henderson, who would be a grad transfer one-year eligible player going somewhere else next year. That's what we have, at least so far. All right, now let's go to the chat. And Zoltan from Columbus, Ohio, said, Eric, the timing of the departures of Tyree and Stucky Hentz at a casual relationship of some sort, do you believe one event prompted the other? Right, and I think he meant causal, but um, I don't think, in Chris Tyree's case, I wouldn't say that for the other wide receivers, but I would say that with Chris Tyree. I think the number one reason Chris Tyree is looking to the portal is to be a full-time player uh, because he only played 35% of the snaps and was the second most productive receiver in terms of receptions, number one in terms of yards. Yeah, I mean, let's also put into perspective, we mentioned he was averaging 23 snaps per game this year at Notre Dame. He wouldn't be mad at the wide receiver coach. Right. He's not taking him off the field because of different formations. That would go a different direction. Marie from Atlanta, she said, I am a big Freeman supporter, but I think it's very important that he has a good year in his third year. I think most fans would feel that if Notre Dame cannot make the 12-team playoff next year, that would be extremely disappointing. So she wants to know, what are five things, not one, Eric, but five things that you feel like are the most important for Freeman to do in the offseason to make sure he has a successful third year as the head coach? I think the list obviously has to be longer than five, but these are the five that I gave Marie. I said if Jared Parker is staying long term then they need to put the supports in place to make that retention work and that's through enough grad assistance through I think an experienced analyst to be a sounding board I think that would be 
the kind of thing that would help that work. Number, I like what you said a minute ago, too. There's a checkpoint coming up after the bowl game right. where coaches will be reevaluated once again. That is very important. Okay. Right. I'm not hint, predicting hint. which way or hint, it hint. will go, but I that that I think is realistic. Number two, have a succession plan in place in case Al Golden is lured away yeah. and hire somebody who can be ready in January instead of the middle of February. You know, Al Golden had commitments to the Super Bowl and ended up being what Marcus Freeman needed. But the next one, I think you want to have them in place January so you can get things going in spring football. Number three, do an exhaustive review of game day operations, especially on the road, especially on the road, Darren. And we saw different examples of game day operations costing Notre Dame points and maybe even games. Uh, Number four, hire the best strength coach available. And number five, hire the best wide receiver coach available. Yeah, the strength coach is kind of lost in the shuffle here. That's right. you got to replace the best. This was the time that Marcus had set aside to put that onto the front burner (laughs) because you'd like him to be in place when winter workouts start. And again, Matt Bayless, and, and it should be that way with his replacement, isn't just a guy that tells you how much to lift and that kind of stuff and even the sports science stuff, injury prevention, he was set to help set the culture for Notre Dame's program. He spends more time with the players than any of the coaches because he can. And that's really important. They get that higher, right? Think about 2016, the turnaround. There's a guy right smack dab. Well, you know, in the middle of it, we talk about those SWAT teams, those accountability teams in the off season. That was Matt Bayless's idea. That's what he brought. And Brian Kelly goes, yeah, that sounds pretty good. (laughs) Are you quoting? (laughs) I'm glad I thought of that. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I kid, I kid. I'm just happy. You're going to be executed. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I guess. I'm in favor of uh, execution. Maybe maybe our entire team needs to be executed. You're not going to get a Columbia jacket for Christmas. I'm just trying to have a little fun. In a time where there's a lot of stuff happening. You you do have to have a lighter mood to this. This cannot be jump off the ledge moment. It's not that time. I, I'm going to call myself a sicko, but this is actually kind of fun in a way with all the chaos that's going on across the country with all this stuff. It's, it's added a different element to covering football in December. Like I said, it used to be, what are they going to learn during the 15 bowl practices? Now it's the reshaping of rosters for next year. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right, let me do this. Tom from Kennesaw, Georgia. Do you think Audric Estime was used to his fullest potential this year? This is a lightning rod question. Well, I think Audric was used in terms of volume. I think the carries were about right. 210 yes. carries is a lot for this day and age. The last um, guy that had significantly more than that was Darius Walker in 2005. It's the win. It's the last drive of offensive drive of the Ohio State yes. game. It's the second half of the Clemson game. Yes. But I, I like the rotation. I liked 
having the other backs in there, it saved some wear and tear on Audric so that he was fresh, so that he could run all over Stanford when he was mad at the Doak Walker Award <laughs> people. Uh, but so again, it's not the number of carries, it's when those carries were used. That is perfectly said. I think at the end of the day, the carries were right on what you wanted. It's just the Ohio State and the Clemson games absolutely mismanaged. Yeah, I mean, this is how much football's changed. Vegas Ferguson holds the record. He's 97 yards, 96 yards ahead of Audric right now for the school record for yards in a season. And he did it in 11 games. Audric's done his in 12. But Vegas Ferguson had 90 more carries in that season than Audric has right now. Let me do one more really quick. Mac from Orange City, California Eric, what conclusions are you drawing as to the state of the Notre Dame football program and its future from what you've observed this season? Trending up, regressing, a top 20 program, but not a top 10 program, or maybe a future playoff contender. This might be an answer that's changed since you typed it out on Wednesday. I gave him a pretty long preface, which was almost word salady, but I'll cut to the chase Love here. I, I said... I think that this offseason and this season are critical for Marcus. And so I'm not ignoring his, his areas of needed growth. There's a lot of things I like about him, a lot of hard things that he's done, and some of the things that you would perceive to be easier he's not done. But there's nothing that I think about Marcus Freeman at this point that can't be fixed or grown out of or evolved out of. I don't see that where I saw certain dead ends with other coaches that didn't succeed here. But this is critical because Marcus could put himself in a dead end. He could also put himself, you know, on the up escalator too. This is so critical of an offseason. There just seems to be a blind spot about the offense right now. And I think that's what worries me more than anything else. I think every coach that I've covered – in some ways, has a blind spot. Yeah, I'm and trying to remember what Brian Kelly's was. We talked about it way back when. I'm trying oh, to think, I, what I was know, it? it? It it was how the strength and conditioning program became de-emphasized. Ah, how they okay. fell behind the curve with that, mm. and there were guys skipping out on their workouts, and it was it was a mess. Uh, there, that was Brian Kelly's, and and somewhat his connection to the players he had become too distant from his players where they were like you know they didn't even feel like that they could go into his office and talk to him and he might have had a year too long a bvg that might have been a massive blind spot for him too and i, and I tell you i mean i give him credit if i had been him i would have probably been offended because i came <laughs> at him pretty high go brian Please help me see why this is yeah. why you are bringing him into year three. And he was he was very measured and didn't didn't get upset with me. You can read the complete transcript inside IndieSports.com. That's inside IndieSports.com. All right, you have a lot to do here in about a minute and a half in terms of what's happening at InsideIndieSports.com and a promo code and everything else. Oh my gosh. What a day for um, yeah. <laughs> for this soap music. So 
we have all the latest transfers in the portal on our message board. We're kind of going behind the scenes with it. Um, big win for Notre Dame women's basketball coming from 16 down in the second half uh, last week. Tyler James has kind of a preview of why Notre Dame would be interested in Duke quarterback Riley Leonard and vice versa. And Darren, there's much, much, much more. But oh, the yes, promo code, <laughs> you want to go to Inside ND Sports, click the subscribe button. They're going to give you a price and you say, aha, I have a promo code. Type in ND Radio. That's ND Radio. And you will get 30 days free of all our premium content. And then you can decide at the you can hit that checkpoint at the end of the month and say, you know what, I'd like to continue, or you can fire us. But we would love for you to continue with us. That's good. What a sell job that was. <sighs> well, we should we should have to perform. We're you know, we'll put on our big boy pants and try to impress you. I have a purple shirt on today or some kind of gray purple. That's a lean toward the Washington Huskies upsetting Oregon on Friday. Aha, I see what you're doing. Nine and a half points. Nine and a half points Oregon is favored by. Wow. Mm. My number one team for most of the year is Washington. But Oregon's awfully good. Well, Notre Dame was about an 11-point underdog as the two against the three Clemson in the ACC championship game way back when. Okay. Vegas knows. Okay. All right, Eric, I will let you get out of here and – Make sure your phone's charged. I will. Okay. That's Eric Hansen. Check him out. InsideIndieSports.com, 607 at WSBT. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Low snap, hands off inside to estimate 10 5. He'll get there. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Eighteen minutes after six o'clock, Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues. On your home of the Fighting Irish, including a Notre Dame football bowl game coming up over the next month. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We are streaming live at WSBTradio.com and via our WSBT radio app. Also, a video feed on the Twitch app. Great to have Eric Hansen from InsideIndieSports.com joining me in studio once again tonight. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Notre Dame football news today. Irish wide receiver Braylon James enters the transfer portal. The 6'2 freshman out of Texas. According to the recruiting rankings. Now all three were close. Flores, Greathouse, and James. But James was just slightly ahead of the other two. Could barely get on the field this year. Had one catch. That was against Pittsburgh. I think he was always considered a player with tremendous upside, but there was going to be a growing period for his talents at the collegiate level. And you would have to imagine that's exactly was the road for Braylon James, having to grow as a wide receiver at the collegiate level, keeping him off the field. 
And now Braylon James has decided to enter the transfer portal. Three wide receivers in the portal, James, Chris Tyree, and Tobias Merriweather. And, of course, their position coach, Chancey Stuckey, was fired by Marcus Freeman on Tuesday. Also, backup safety Ramon Henderson has entered the portal 14 tackles this year. As a backup, he had a role in packages this year for Al Golden's defense. He has one year of eligibility remaining, and he'll be a grad transfer for someone across the country. So right now we are at seven players from Notre Dame in the transfer portal. That number is going to increase. I think we all have to be aware that the number is going to go up, and Eric laid it out perfectly in the first hour that there needed to be some reduction of the roster. But the key is who leaves, what talent leaves the roster. You can handle some players deeper down the depth chart. You kind of want them to leave. Hey, they get opportunities somewhere else, and it helps with your roster crunch. But when you start losing key pieces, that's when you start to get a little concerned. Tyree falls into that category. James would be a future candidate to be a factor in this offense. Nano Safa Mensa is a backup who had a really good game against Stanford last Saturday out in Palo Alto. But Tobias Merriweather just seems like a guy that needed a change of direction, a change of scenery, and hopefully he finds his talents somewhere else. So that's where we stand right now with the transfer portal. Also, I noticed DJU, the old Clemson quarterback at Oregon State, he's back in the portal once again. And he was number 12 in the nation in quarterback rating this year. He was ahead of Jordan Travis of Florida State, Drake May of North Carolina, Quinn Ewers of Texas, and Sam Hartman from the University of Notre Dame. And we've heard that DJU might be contacted by schools like Florida State and Oregon. Going from Oregon State to Oregon. There's enough fracturing of those two fan bases with Oregon going to the Big Ten and Oregon State being left behind. But let's just add to it with the Beaver quarterback maybe becoming a duck. 622 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Yesterday's question available at Twitter X on my account at 960 Sportsbeat. Is Notre Dame reportedly parting ways with wide receiver coach Chancey Stuckey? Concerning. Of course, we know it is not parting ways. He was let go. 33% said yes, it's concerning, but 67% said no. We thank you for voting. Today's question, should Duke quarterback Riley Leonard be Notre Dame's number one transfer portal target? Riley Leonard, Duke quarterback, should he be Notre Dame's number one transfer portal target? Yes or no, vote right now. Just go to twitter.com, x.com, and search my Twitter account at 960sportsbeat. I will bring you the results of today's question on tomorrow's program and we will have a question for the weekend coming your way tomorrow here on WSBT Radio. Don't forget we have Thursday Night Football coming up tonight on WSBT Radio. It is the Seattle Seahawks visiting the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys are favored by nine points over Seattle. 
That game will be a part of our Pick'em segment, our sports wagering segment. We going to Sizzler at the end of the program. Hope you'll stick around for that. Coming up in a moment, Notre Dame men's soccer coach Chad Riley joins the program. It's Notre Dame against Indiana for a spot in the College Cup in Louisville on December 8th. That's the final four of men's soccer. We'll have that conversation coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, Abby, thank you very much. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Saturday's forecast, very important to my next guest. He is Chad Riley, the Notre Dame men's soccer coach. And the number two ranked Irishmen soccer team will take on Indiana University in an NCAA tournament quarterfinal match at Alumni Stadium Saturday at 5 o'clock. The winner advances to the College Cup in Louisville on December the 8th. There are a few tickets available. Grab them now, Irish fans. Just go to fightingirish.com. Well, Coach, it's great to have you with us on this Thursday evening. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you so much for your time. I got to ask you, as someone that grew up in Houston, Texas, that came to South Bend to play soccer for the Fighting Irish, how much fun is it or how much of a hindrance is it to play soccer in snow like you guys had to do against <laughs> Western Michigan last weekend? Yeah, it's not not ideal, but it's certainly <laughs> memorable. And it's, yeah, I mean, during the NCAA time, it's just tricky. You can't really reschedule things unless you know, you can't play at all. So um, you don't do it much in your career as a player, as a coach, but but when you do, you remember it. And then obviously with the result, we'll remember that one for the rest of our lives. Oh, no question about that. Offer me a perspective as someone that played for Notre Dame, now in charge of this program, you've led them to a college cup and now trying to do it for a second time. Yeah. I mean, obviously it means more than just a, just a job, you know, it's, it's, it's my place. I'm a Notre Dame guy we're a Notre Dame family so you know we we, we want to make sure Notre Dame's the best and uh, so it is it's try not to put too much extra pressure on myself but we certainly want to I want to help Notre Dame be the best soccer program in the country. Coach really interesting stats surrounding your team the Irish have held 17 of 19 opponents to one or zero goals in a game this season. Obviously, you got to mention your goalkeeper, Brian Dow, but I know it takes a team effort to accomplish something like that. So what has been the key to success for you guys to be able to keep the ball out of your net? Yeah, I think it's always the foundation of our team is being tough to score on. And then I think when guys are playing like Brian Dowd has this well, this year you, you, you have even better stats. But we do take it as a collective effort from our forwards down to our back our back four. And so the team's really embraced that mentality and know, know it's important, especially come this time of year where games are tight and, and they're usually low-scoring affairs. You know, Coach, I actually call the Irish hockey games. I've worked around Jeff Jackson for the last 14 years. And something that he taught me, he's always known for his defense. And he always tells me it's not always great defense. It's also keeping the puck because the other team can't score if you control the puck. In your game, is that part of the success of being a great defensive team is controlling the soccer ball? For sure. I think that's something that we've worked on a lot the last couple of years is just, you know, controlling the game with the ball. Um, and, and so that would be mainly in your attack, but being smart in your possession and 
um, that certainly dictates um, a lot of, you know, because basically every time you've got the ball for a little bit longer, like you said, they don't have the ball, then they're, if they don't have the ball, they're not making a chance. So it is, it goes hand in hand. If you can do, do those, if you can defend well when you have to, and then keep the ball for long stretches of time, you usually give yourself a chance to have a good kind of defensive base. Chad Riley, Notre Dame men's soccer coach, my guest. Why don't you just offer a synopsis, coach, of the road that you guys have been on in the NCAA tournament to get to this quarterfinal matchup? How have things gone for you guys, and what mm-hmm. has been the key to your success? Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, you know, we, we got the number two seed overall, so in, in, in Division One men's soccer, there's 48 teams make it. Um, they seed 16 teams, so we got the, the number two seed, which means you get a first-round bye. Um, and then so you join the tournament in the round of 32. And so we had, we, we had an early loss, unfortunately, in the ACC tournament. So one of our challenges was a really long layoff from the ACC tournament to our first round game, or it was our second second round game, our first game in the NCAA tournament against uh, University of Kentucky, who um, were a really strong opponent. They had um, knocked off the number one team in the country, actually in consecutive games. So they beat the number one team and that team dropped. And then the new number one team they beat again, um, in the season, so they're a really good opponent. But um, our guys put in a great performance against uh, against Kentucky to to get the win. And then um, you know, Michigan, Western Michigan is one of the um, best attacking teams in the country. They've got a lot of Michigan kids and um, just have developed well. A lot of fifth year players. And as you mentioned earlier, we played a bit of a snowstorm. And then we also <laughs> had some adversity where we got a red card that um, yeah. I think we should have gotten, but it but it happened. Um, and so our team had to play down a man. So it's different than hockey. It's not just for a period. We had to play down a man mm. for the entire game. And so um, it was very heroic by our team to keep them off the board. And then we, we won that game in penalties, um, which was which was great. And then, uh, yeah, now we get to compete against our in-state rival in Indiana. And, Coach, just to go back to after falling in the ACC tournament, how important was it to do a little extra scrimmaging to keep your guys sharp? Or what was the key to being ready for the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think, you know, certainly some scrimmaging was key. You know, I, I, I think we call the fancy word periodization. You didn't want to overwork or underwork. And so we tried to keep an eye on that and really just kind of keeping the ticking over and not, you know, when you've got a group of competitors, they, they, they don't like not competing against someone else for, for too long. So we were trying to make sure practices and training sessions didn't get too testy. Um, we kept them interesting. We, you know, we were able to work on a few things, but, um, but for the most part, the team really embraced that, and uh, and they were ready for our first game in the NCAA tournament. Coach, you're averaging 2.16 goals per game so far this year. What makes your offense go? Yeah, I think we've had a couple guys that have scored, you know, 10 goals, uh, Matthew Rue and Enoento. So you've got your goal scorers, and then I think we just have a lot of a lot of different guys on the on the field that can score goals in, in, in certain situations. So I think that, um, you know, that's the nice thing is you have a lot of guys that are comfortable scoring goals. And so we're not, not so predictable. And, you know, I love that the, the stats that we have, because we've also played the third hardest schedule in the country. And so um, to have those goals and those goals against averages is a, is a big testament to the team. Chad Riley is my guest, Notre Dame men's soccer coach. So, Coach, you take on Indiana University in this NCAA tournament quarterfinal at Alumni Stadium Saturday at 5 o'clock. You guys have a history from earlier this year. Same facility, August the 24th, which probably seems like years ago at this point. (laughs) You guys played to a 1-1 draw. What stood out about that particular match? 
Yeah, I think it was a really good – we try to play them early in the season, to be honest with you, just I think for both programs to see kind of where you are. You know, they're going to be – they're going to be good year in and year out. And I think um, we were missing a couple guys um, that, that we're excited to have back for this, this game, but I thought we performed pretty well. But at the same time, they were a little bit of a newer team too, for, you know, getting some guys in, involved. So I think, um, you know, I think it'll be similar to where there'll be two, two good teams going at it. We'll know each other just that little bit better. And then, you know, I think we've both probably changed and grown just a little bit throughout the Throughout the year, but I think the main pieces of the, the, their identity and our identity are there, and now it's about who can who can be better on the night. I have a feeling a head coach probably doesn't matter to you, but is it beneficial having played Indiana? Would you rather have not played someone of that caliber, as you get set for possibly a trip to the College Cup? Yeah, I think it's interesting because we've had it both ways. I mean, a couple years ago when we – went to the college cup we played um you know uh in this round someone we played three times and so hmm. you know you don't really want to play someone that you've played three times like Pitt but I think one game gives you a little bit of familiarity and then on the other side of it it does they probably are you know can prepare better for you but at the same time I feel it feels nice to know them you know decently well as we as we make our final preparation so you know I think as a head coach like you said I sort of talked myself into it as an opportunity no matter <laughs> what but uh, but it makes the, the prep a little bit more streamlined for sure. You know, I mentioned this guy earlier, and I probably should allow you to talk about him a little more. But, I mean, Brian Dowd, your goalkeeper, is having a fantastic season, 11-2-5, 10 shutouts this year, a goals against average of 0.66. I mean, that's the type of guy I would imagine gives your players a lot of confidence that if something breaks down, you've got a brick wall that can maybe save the day. Exactly. I think it's it's like anything having, you know, on the other side, we talked about having different guys that can score. So I think, you know, if one of your kind of star strikers isn't isn't feeling it on the day, we know there's other guys that can step up. And then I think, you know, Brian's play, Dowd's play just gives us that, that confidence that in the back, if we make a mistake, it doesn't mean that they're going to score a goal, that, that you just have that that confidence in that um, final line behind you. And um, and he's just, yeah, he, he's performed well, but it does. It just gives that whole team that confidence that, you know, if we need him to make a save, he's ready to make a save. You know, Coach, you, you think about the success you have had running this particular program. This program has made it to a college cup under your tenure. Are you to the point now with this program, the culture that you have built on and and constructed, that this team expects to be in this spot and expects to win this type of game? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think when I got back here and and obviously Coach uh, Bobby Clark had built an unbelievable you know, addition of the program. And I think they've had a, obviously, um, peaking with the, with the national championship in 2013. And then, you know, the fun part is everybody, you know, teams change every year and you go through these cycles, but I think it's our, our third quarterfinal in, in six years, which I think is the, the important thing yeah. to me is to get comfortable in this quarterfinal. And then, you know, you can get to college cups. And so, um, I do, I feel, you know, the, the culture is really, the guys that we get in and into the team, right? They're 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 the ones that, that really build the culture. And I think we've had a lot of good success recruiting the right the right guys for Notre Dame. And I think they they work very hard to make sure this is a um, high performing culture. Um, so I do. I, I think um, you know we're where we're where we want to be. And now you're always trying to take that next step. And um, you know the big goal is always to create a dynasty, which we know is really hard to do. But that's that's what you work towards every day. 
I want to ask you, Coach, is there a little bit of Bobby Clark in you? And I'll, and I'll set you up by saying I, I don't think you caught on to his accent. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, I don't have the lovely Scottish accent to get away with saying a lot of things no one else. But, yeah, I do. I think the the base of everything that we do, you know, and for me, and obviously he was such a mentor when I played and then coached with him for for a long time. So I do. I think, um, you know, he, he, the base of everything is, 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 is similar to, to Bobby's. And I think what, what I learned from him is that people can get better with hard work and with, with, um, you know, with self-reflection. And then, you know, every year you, you just try to, how do you, how do you grow your team every year? And then, you know, I think um, he was just such a competitor that um, that you just know that um, every game you've got to go out there and play to win until, until that final whistle. Coach, one final question for you. I think with any outdoor sport, when you have inclement weather, it can change the strategy. And I'm not trying to steal any secrets, but I'm just wondering if, no. if you do have significant rain or a steady rain during the game on Saturday, does that change the strategy or any way the game might be played? Yeah, I think you always, you know, uh, and maybe it just affects it, you know, five or five or ten percent, but mainly it just like heightens things, like following up shots on the goalie because the, you know, balls a little slicker. So you know, like Brian, who maybe never spills something, is going to spill one, and can we go? And then on that other side of it, are you following up your shots in case the the keeper spills it? And then, and then yeah, you're just looking for, you know, sort of defensively you, you always say you sort of expect the worst. You expect someone to slip or the ball to kind of pop over them. Um, so you're making sure you're covering for each other a little bit with a little bit more attention. And then on the other side, maybe you're taking that chance to to run in behind the guy because you think the ball is going to skip by him. But, you know, most of the game will be the same as long as there's no standing water on the field. Uh, but it does it does heighten some things that you should always do. But then you have to really pay attention to them when the, when the game's a little wetter than normal. Well, Coach, Best of luck to you and your team. An amazing opportunity in front of your squad Saturday at 5 o'clock. Notre Dame against Indiana. No matter the sport, it's always a lot of fun when these two get together, but with a college cup on the line, added excitement to this great rivalry. So, Coach, best of luck to you and your squad, and hopefully we'll be talking to you soon about a trip to Louisville. For sure. Thanks so much again, and, and have a great night. You too. Thank you so much, Coach. That is Chad Riley. He is the head coach of the Notre Dame men's soccer team, the number two overall seed in the NCAA tournament, taking on Indiana at Alumni Stadium Saturday at 5 o'clock. The winner advances to the College Cup in Louisville on December 8th. And Irish fans, you know there's going to be some Indiana fans coming. We need you to get your tickets. A few are left. It's almost sold out, but get your tickets right now at Fighting Irish. Com. It is 645 at WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 